0: In this episode of Flying Smarter, I'm looking at hard shell versus soft shell luggage and the terminology used for different pilots. Then, for the main segment, I'll explore why people love the Boeing 787 Dreamliner. Welcome to episode 9 of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel. For the previous episode, I deviated a bit from our normal format because I had a longer but very interesting interview with an airline pilot about turbulence. If you haven't listened to it, I would highly recommend you do so after you're done with this episode. I found it to be super insightful and informative. As promised though, what I'm doing now is returning to our usual format today and starting with some questions. Should I use softshell or hardshell luggage? There are people out there who live by one type or another, but it depends on what you're looking for because they both have advantages and drawbacks. Hardshell suitcases can be better at offering protection, they're generally water resistant, and with their solid outer case, it's harder to rip open the bag and they usually come with integrated built-in locks. That being said though, the hard shell is also prone to cracking, but this problem has kind of been improved recently as manufacturers have started to use better materials like polycarbonate, which is a softer material that can flex to absorb some impacts. Even with the better materials though, hard shell suitcases are still prone to easy scuffing and scratching. When it comes to fitting your suitcases into compact spaces like an overhead bin or a car trunk, soft luggage is the clear winner. Soft shell suitcases can compress and flex to fit into tight spaces, both when you're traveling and when you're storing your luggage at home. Plus, you get more flexibility if you're packing and trying to stuff your suitcase to its maximum capacity, but the flip side to this is that a hard shell suitcase prevents you from overpacking or overstuffing your bag. With a hard shell, if it fits in the carry-on bag sizer, you can't really stuff it any further so that it becomes too big and no longer fits, which is a problem that you could possibly have with a soft shell suitcase. Another thing when it comes to packing is that hard shell suitcases generally open halfway down the middle, butterfly style kind of like a book. The advantage of this is that it allows you to pack the two sides equally in terms of weight and balance the weight on both sides. But the problem with this though is that it takes up more floor space when you're packing. When you open up a softshell suitcase, you might be able to lean the opening flap on the wall or something, but when your hard shell suitcase opens up like a book, you'll need more floor space for it. In terms of aesthetics, softshell luggage tends to have more traditional bland appearances, while you're more likely to get more colors with a hardshell suitcase. It's also easier to customize your hard shell suitcase with things like stickers and that can help prevent your luggage from being misidentified and taken by the wrong person at the baggage claim. A few more miscellaneous practical things, hard shell suitcases are more likely to have four wheels rather than two which is a really big plus. On the other hand though, soft shell suitcases are more likely to have outside pockets which make it easier to access things. Finally, Hard cases tend to be heavier, which means less available weight for packing because airlines have luggage weight restrictions. That being said, it is possible to get lightweight hard shell suitcases, but these are usually quite expensive. What is the difference between a captain, a first officer, a pilot, and a co-pilot? I find that sometimes people are confused or have misconceptions about what these terms are, so I'll take a moment to clear things up. Planes today are generally flown by two people, the captain and the first officer, also sometimes called the co-pilot. Now the first officer isn't a backup or an assistant to the captain. In fact, at some airlines it's even possible to have first officers with more experience than the captain just because of how seniority and promotions and bidding works. Both people are equally qualified to fly the plane, and they'll actually take turns flying the plane. The captain just has overall responsibility for the flight, which also comes with some legal obligations and powers. On longer flights like those crossing the Pacific Ocean, there will also usually be one or two additional pilots so that the pilots can take turns getting some rest. Some airlines, not usually in North America but in places like Asia, will also have what are called second officers, are newer pilots that help with certain duties on longer flights. This is the only real time where the idea of a quote unquote helper pilot might be real, but these second officers are usually also fully qualified to fly the plane by themselves. The final thing that I want to mention is the idea of a navigator. This is something that is no longer a thing on modern planes and hasn't really been for decades. There are some really old planes out there that still require a third person in the cockpit operating as a navigator, but you won't find one on most major airlines that are flying modern planes. How do you tell who is who? Well, captains will have four stripes on their uniform, and first officers will usually have three. This is true throughout North America and is generally the case around the world, but there is some variation. Airlines that have second officers will usually put one or two stripes on their uniforms. Did you know that an airport recently opened nearly 10 years late? Yes, that's right, an airport recently opened almost a decade behind schedule. Berlin Brandenburg Airport opened on October 31st, 2020, about 10 years late and 4 billion euros over budget. Construction started in 2006 and the airport was supposed to open on October 2011, but the project was delayed and delayed for a whole bunch of reasons ranging from bad project management to straight up corruption. The opening was pushed from 2011 to 2012 to 2013 and on and on and on. There were a whole bunch of reasons for these delays from the planning company going bankrupt to structural issues and I don't have time to go through all of them but one of the most interesting causes of delays was the fire suppression system. The original system didn't pass the necessary certification tests. It was found to have tons of wiring and programming flaws, and for aesthetic reasons, it featured a smoke extraction system that was supposed to have smoke being routed downwards instead of being sent upwards out the roof. At one point, the plan was actually to have seven or 800 low-wage workers stationed around the terminal to help spot fires. In the end, it turned out that the guy who originally designed the fire suppression system wasn't even a real engineer, and the entire system was redesigned and rebuilt. Other ridiculous problems at the airport include the terminal ceiling being too heavy, escalators that were too short, and TVs that had to be replaced because they had reached the end of their lifespan before the airport even opened. But finally, close to a decade behind schedule, way over budget, and in the middle of a global pandemic, Berlin-Brandenburg Airport is finally open today. Long-haul flying can be rough. It can be tiring, you're stuck on a cramped plane with dry, stale air, and you might have a lot of connections ahead. There's a revolutionary plane out there that tries to change all this though, and that's the Boeing 787, also known as the Dreamliner. The 787 flew its first commercial flight on October 26, 2011, when All-Nippon Airways flew a Boeing 787 flight from Tokyo Narida Airport to Hong Kong International Airport. The Boeing 787 had been in development since the early 2000s, and this flight marked a momentous point in aviation history. You had the world celebrating the first commercial flight of this revolutionary aircraft with lots of fanfare. The launch of the Boeing 787 wasn't exactly a smooth ride though. This was a momentous flight yes, but it took place 3 years later than originally planned since the aircraft's entry into service kept getting delayed. A year and a half later, another All-Nippon Airways Boeing 787 was in flight when passengers noticed a burning smell. The smell resulted from a battery problem and subsequent inspection revealed that there actually had been a battery fire. A similar incident happened on a Boeing 787 belonging to Japan Airlines, and concerned by these incidents, government authorities around the world grounded the Boeing 787, as Boeing worked to address the problem. A few months later, Boeing had developed a revised battery design and battery modifications to existing aircraft, and so the Boeing 787 Dreamliner was back in the sky. Despite its bumpy first few years of service, the Boeing 787 Dreamliner has been a game changer for the airline industry. It's won the hearts of much of the flying world, and it's loved by airlines and passengers alike. So let's take a look at what makes the Boeing 787 Dreamliner so special. The 787 is remarkably fuel efficient and cost effective. This is great news not only for airlines, but also for the environment. Now traditionally the bodies of airline jets are made from aluminum, however a good portion of the 787 is made up largely of composite materials like carbon plastic fiber. The aircraft is about 50% composite by weight and this poses a lot of advantages. The fact that the aircraft has a lighter, simpler structure leads to weight savings, and weight savings lead to better efficiency and fuel savings which is good for airlines and passengers in terms of costs and prices, and it's good for the environment in terms of emissions. These factors lead to weight savings of approximately 20% on average compared to older aluminum designs. The composite materials also help prevent fatigue and corrosion, which reduces maintenance and associated costs. Because of the fact that the airplane has so much composite material, Boeing actually developed a new type of maintenance repair capability that allows for repairs that would typically take 24 hours or more to be completed to be done within an hour. While these types of minor damage might have grounded an aluminum plane, the Boeing 787 can be fixed quickly so it can get back into the sky one of the things that I think makes the 787 very visually appealing is the sweeping and flexible wings, and you'll be able to see this from the photos of the aircraft that I'll have on the Flying Smarter website. These wings are also made from composite materials and have raked wingtips, with the tip of the wing sweeping at a higher degree than the rest of the wing, and this is an aerodynamic design feature that leads to better fuel efficiency. Now, we all know that flying can be an uncomfortable experience, right? It can be tiring, the air can be dry, and it might cause headaches or jet lag. When creating the 787, the designers have put a lot of thought into addressing these types of issues and creating a pleasant cabin experience for passengers. The 787 has a ton of design features that make passengers love the aircraft. I've had the chance to fly on the 787 a few times, and I've really found it to be an improved experience over other planes. Perhaps my favorite thing is the plane's fancy windows. The 787's cabin windows are larger than on any other airliner, measuring at 10.7 by 18.4 inches, which is about 27 by 47 centimeters, and when you step on board, you instantly notice this. Instead of window shades, there are dimmable windows so that you can adjust the window to different levels of opacity. Instead of moving your window shade up and down, you control the opacity of your window using buttons. This also allows flight attendants to control your window remotely without having to reach over you to open or close the shade if you're sleeping. The cabin also has a very spacious feeling. I think one of the biggest contributors to this is the arched ceilings, and I think the windows also help. Further contributing to the spacious feeling are the large overhead bins. The Boeing 787 features some of the largest, if not the largest, overhead bins out there. However, the plane has gotten some criticism for narrow economy seats when they're configured with 9 across, which is a 333 configuration. And unfortunately, a good number of airlines configure their economy classes like this, but there are some exceptions out there. Another big thing for passenger comfort is that the Boeing 787 Dreamliner's pressurization system comes with lots of improvements over older designs. Just to provide a bit of background, aircraft are pressurized at high altitudes so that passengers can safely function and breathe. The amount of air pressure acting on us decreases as we get higher and higher in the sky, and you might notice these changes when you're on a plane or in an elevator when your ears pop. Basically, the air molecules are spread further apart and we breathe in less oxygen. Starting at around 15,000 feet, there's no longer enough oxygen in the air for a human being and once you get to about 18,000 feet, you'll only have about 20 to 30 minutes of useful consciousness. Airliners have pressurization systems that basically constantly pump clean air into the cabin. To control the pressure, you have outflow valves that let the air out, And the pressurization system is why you can't open a door in flight, and why the air in a plane cabin gets changed every few minutes. Now, planes are generally pressurized so that the cabin has an internal pressure equivalent of around 8,000 feet. And that means that even if you're cruising at around 36,000 feet, it only feels as if you were at 8,000 feet inside the cabin, which is perfectly safe for humans. The Boeing 787, however, has an internal cabin pressure equivalent to what you would feel at around 6,000 feet. This leads to passengers being significantly more comfortable because they're in an environment that more closely simulates what they would feel on the ground. And this difference can help reduce things like aches, fatigues, and headaches. People often have complaints about the air quality in a plane, even though it actually gets replaced every few minutes by the pressurization system that I talked about. Now aircraft normally use what is known as bleed air in their cabin air conditioning systems. As air passes through the aircraft engine, part of it gets diverted or bled into the air conditioning system, which then filters it and alters its temperature and moisture before pumping it into the cabin. On the 787 however, the air doesn't come from the engines, rather it comes directly from outside the aircraft. Now not only does this provide fresh air, but it also makes the engine more fuel efficient since it isn't using any power on the air conditioning system. The humidity levels on the plane are also higher, about 15% on the 787 compared to around 4% on other aircraft. The system optimizes the humidity based on the number of passengers on board, and this is possible in part because of the composite structure, because with composite materials there's a reduced risk of corrosion. On aluminum airframes, you have a higher risk of corrosion when you have higher levels of humidity. Now, when we think of big jumbo jets, we often think of loud, roaring engines. Now, the Boeing 787 is by no means quiet if you're standing beside it, but it is substantially quieter when compared with similar aircraft. Boeing claims that the noise footprint of the Boeing 787 is more than 40% smaller than similar planes, and this is good news not only for passengers, but also for those living near airports. In the last episode of the podcast, airline pilot Owen Zupp was on here to chat about turbulence, and it's something that people obviously don't like, but there's good news if you're flying on a Boeing 787. The 787 has what's called a gust suppression system, And what this does is it uses sensors around the aircraft that detect changes in wind speed and direction, as well as air pressure changes. The aircraft then uses this data to counteract the forces that the aircraft is experiencing. Now, the system doesn't actually reduce turbulence, but it can help dampen the bumps that you feel as a result of turbulence. It's not just a great experience for passengers though. Pilots in the flight deck get a heads up display, which gives them flight information such as altitude and speed projected onto a transparent glass screen in front of the pilots like you might have seen on a fighter jet. And what this does is it allows them to look out the window while reading this information. Perhaps the most game changing thing about the Boeing 787 though is how it has opened up a bunch of new routes. Typically, long haul aircraft tend to be quite large, but the Boeing 787 isn't all that big. There's three variants. The 787 8 carries around 200 to 250 passengers, the 787 9 carries around 250 to 300 people, and the Boeing 787 10 typically carries around 300 to 330 passengers. The size of the Boeing 787, especially the smaller variants, allows airlines to operate what are known as long, thin routes, long referring to long distance and thin referring to not very strong demand. These are routes that were previously not financially feasible because the airline that could fly that far were either too big or not fuel efficient enough for the route to be profitable. The 787 however is a small plane that is very fuel efficient. There's a bunch of examples of these long, thin routes out there. Before I go any further though, I should point out that not all of these routes are currently operating because of the COVID-19 pandemic. British Airways is one of the airlines that has really taken advantage of the strengths of the 787, and they now operate about 30 of these planes. In 2017, they launched a new route between London and New Orleans with a Boeing 787-8, and then they started a seasonal summer service between London and Charleston, South Carolina in 2019, with a Boeing 787 configured with 35 business class seats, 25 premium economy seats, and 154 economy class seats, for a total of 214 seats. Air Canada launched a route between Vancouver and Delhi, with a 787-9 seating 298 passengers, and this was a route that they had tried in the past with other aircraft, but didn't have much success with profitability, most likely due to fuel efficiency. Some other examples of routes made possible by the 787 are United's flights between Houston and Sydney, Aeromexico's service between Mexico City and Seoul, and Lot Polish Airlines' route between Warsaw and Tokyo. The Boeing 787 Dreamliner has really been a game changer for the airline industry and for passengers. It offers remarkable fuel efficiency, addresses a lot of passenger comfort issues that have existed in the past, and has allowed for new routes to be started. With all these successes, the Boeing 787 is bound to be a powerful force in the flying world for years and years to come. That brings us to the end of this episode of Flying Smarter. As you know, the first part of each episode of the podcast is based on questions submitted by listeners or from questions that I've had in the past. If you have a question that you want to be answered on the show, get in touch with us on social media. We'll include links in the episode description or at flyingsmarter.com forward slash contact. You can send us a message from there or even record your question. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you again soon.